Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to day three of Ukama Family Business Conference. This afternoon, we have a great guest speaker, Ms. Nguyen Kimani, Executive Director of B-Lab East and South Africa, who will be speaking about building purpose-driven enterprises. So over to you. Thank you, Nike. Um I'll just jump right in so that we will have um, enough time to interact and ask and answer your questions. Um, it's, I'm very happy to be participating in this much needed conversation on the continent. I'll go ahead and share my screen so that we can start. Great. So um, I'll start by giving an overview of B-Lab East Africa and the work that we do. Um, and then we'll move into defining what is purpose for an organization um, and how does purpose translate to your bottom line because organizations, assuming uh, for-profit organizations, um, need to make sure that they can be purposeful as well as um, still be profitable. Um, we'll discuss briefly about what we have seen uh, as the impact of COVID-19 on our businesses and why it is important to build a purpose-driven business. Um, how do you track your progress? And lastly, the challenges that we have seen um, in our, our learning lessons. So a brief overview of B-Lab East Africa. We were founded in um, 2017. B-Lab is a non-profit organization our mission is to accelerate a shift in how business is done in Africa. Uh, what we really want to do is to redefine business success as not just for profit, but also for purpose. Um, we would like to encourage businesses in Africa to work for positive impact for all stakeholders. And for us, we look at stakeholders as your workers, your shareholders, your customers, your community, as well as the environment in which you operate. We envision an inclusive, equitable, and regenerative economic system for all people and the planet. And practically what we do is we support um, and we promote and we certify businesses who identify as having an impact and who are purpose-driven, um, and we are creating a community of change makers. Um, how do we envision that this would actually play out? First, um, it, it's important that we develop the market infrastructure to envision how this is going to work in practice. Uh, and our first step was to build a community of thousands of credible leaders who we are calling B Corps. These are companies who have gone through our assessment, um, our business impact assessment test, and scored an 80 or above and gone ahead to go through the evaluation and verification process to become certified. Next, we created tools to make it 
easy for millions of other businesses to follow after we identified that this is a workable uh, mechanism. Our tools are completely free to use and they can be used globally. Thirdly, our intention is to inspire billions of consumers and workers and investors and others to support businesses who are a force for good. Um, if we don't rally behind these businesses, they could easily lose momentum. And uh, we need a support system to create as they inspire other people to follow suit. And lastly, we envision a shared and durable prosperity, which is our basically our end game. So when we talk about purpose, um, how do you define purpose for yourself and for your organization? Um, for, for us, we, we find purpose to mean this organization is making a deliberate and meaningful positive difference. This is not where an organization says, oh, I, have, I made a profit, so I'm going to donate 10%. Let's do this CSR project when we are profitable. No, this is when purpose is embedded in the reason for being for, for the organization in French. We will say raison d'être, right? So um, it is important that as an organization, you start thinking more of an impact-driven business model so that um, being purposeful or having a positive impact is not only when you make a profit. And who are the people you consider when you're thinking about how to impactful purpose cuts across different spheres in an organization. Um, it would affect your stakeholders, um, as we defined earlier, as your workers, your community, your environment, and your shareholders. Um, it would also involve your product or service. So what kind of product or service are you putting out there? Um, what are you putting out a product with integrity? What are the components of this product? And then in addition, partnerships, because we can't do work alone, right? So our work is, is relationships, it's led by relationships, right? So you need to have meaningful partners that would help you realize the vision for your organization. When we think about COVID, um, how this pandemic has affected our businesses, and when I refer to our businesses, I'm, I'm talking about um, B, B corporations who are businesses who we have verified and certified as having an impact. One of the things that the pandemic did really was unearth a lot of systemic cracks that exist within our society. And all of us were affected by the pandemic, but all of us were not equally affected by this pandemic. So um, there's been a lot of realization. Uh, we can see some of that coming through in terms of, of organizations fundraising for specific um, types of businesses or businesses that are having positive in impact. But overall, the conversation has started happening about where do we go from here? So, so we have learned about all our inequities right now and how can people, as, as they make decisions in their businesses, begin to to think about the long-term sustainability of the business, um, the well-being of their workers, etc. So what we found was that B Corps are overall more resilient during 
difficult times. And this is an interesting thing to note. This um, statistic, because we don't have the up-to-date statistic of this pandemic, we used the 2008 recession. And we realized that B Corps were 63% more resilient than businesses of a similar size. And wouldn't you, wouldn't you think, find that um, curious? Because, of course, one of the things you think is they spend more money um, on their workers or in the community or in making sure that they are environmentally sustainable. But one of the things that we found is they are more likely to garner support from the community. They are also more likely to garner support from their workers who are willing to, to take you know, less pay um, to make sure that the company survives. And this is because they've bought in to the mission of the organization and they want it to succeed. So what have we found as the benefits of building a purposeful organization? The first thing that we noted is that purpose-driven organizations are more likely to attract and retain top talent. Um, Africa is a very young continent. Millennials are much more driven by the chance to work for ethical businesses than their previous generations. Um, one of the things that is a pain point for a lot of micro businesses and SMEs, number one is finding the right talent, and number two is keeping the right talent in the business. So we find that the turnover for purpose-driven organizations is, is less than for, for others that are simply cracking the whip to drive as much profit as possible. What we have also found is that customer credibility is high when you align your business model with doing good, because especially in this day and age where we are online and the cancel culture is very much alive, right? Once an organization misbehaves, the first thing that we do is boycott their products. So when your organization has a reputation of doing good, um, of being purpose-driven, you have your customer backing and you're more likely to succeed in an environment like that. One of the things that we noticed is that the top issues that consumers identify with when making decisions, how the company treats its own people and its employees, how the company treats the environment, and how the company supports the communities in which it operates. We emphasize the communities in which the company operates because oftentimes an organization could set up in one place and hire people from somewhere else. So that even though the organization is thriving right there, the, the immediate community doesn't receive any, any benefits from its presence, except the occasional CSR projects that happen. So we, we actually um, encourage our B Corps to get involved in the communities in which they operate. And in that way, they'll get more consumer loyalty as well. Um, how the company treats its own people and employees also affects the consumers. I'm not, I don't know about where you are, but here in Kenya, increasingly when we hear um, about how Uber is treating its workers, we are more likely to stop using that app and use a, a different app that seems to be treating its workers better. The other thing that we have seen as a benefit is that purpose-driven um, organizations are likely to attract um, impact investors. 
um, investors are more inclined to invest with a purpose-driven lens because it's like they are getting a two-for-one deal. They, they are investing in a good company, but then they are also having an impact on the community. Um, I've talked a lot about impact on the communities. Um, one of the one of the things that um, I read in an article about Japanese companies is that they have longevity because they take care of their communities first. Um, in Africa, we are a community-driven people as well. Somehow, I find that we have lost a lot of that when it comes to how much we pay the people that we employ. So uh, one of the things that we encourage also is that our B Corps go beyond paying just a minimum wage because a lot of the African countries have defined what a minimum wage is, but oftentimes that minimum wage is not a living wage. So I can pay minimum wage, but when I think about that employee and the amount of money I'm paying them, can they afford healthcare, um, decent housing, transport to work, Medicare, medical care for their children, um, and all those things. So when you stand for and take action on something bigger than your product or service, um, that's when you realize your true purpose because you're thriving in the community and around you, you can see that since you as an organization entered that community, they themselves, people's lives have changed just by you being there. Um, another thing is that it affects your bottom line positively. Um, we find that because there hasn't been broadcast announcements about how purpose-driven organizations still make a profit, and this is one thing that as BLAB we are trying to do, is do more case studies and put out more reports so that we can encourage businesses to, to be more equitable in the way they operate so that they don't declare massive profits. Meanwhile, they have people in their businesses who are doing fundraisers for medical care because they don't have medical cover. So a purpose-driven organizations, we have found that they also have a positive bottom line. So now once you've decided um, that your organization is going to have an impact-driven business model. How do you know if your organization is having the desired impact? Um, one of the first things that we tell our B Corps is you have to be authentic because when you're starting the business, there's a vision that you have and you have to have a consistent message um, when you're out there facing your customers and and facing uh, your competition, right? So authenticity is rooted in your commitment to creating this impact and sharing your story. Um, if your consumers are not conscious about what you're trying to do, um, it would be difficult for them to choose you over your competitor. So we encourage storytelling um, and we encourage organizations to maintain their authenticity. The next thing you need to do is make sure that you measure this impact. Um, you, you have to set goals in the beginning to say that this is what my organization will do and this is what we will absolutely not do. And you, as you set the impact you want to have on your workers, on your customers, on your community and also in your environment, especially when you're thinking about sustainability of the environment, 
uh, one of the tools that you can use is the B Impact Assessment Tool. I mentioned earlier that this tool is completely free to use. Um, there's no charge for that, but there's a charge if you want verification in order to certify as a B Corp. The other thing is that you need to be accountable. Um, by being transparent and sharing your story and letting everybody know what you're about in terms of your customers, your supply chain, your workers even, um, you're able to build trust among all your stakeholders and you have somebody to, to report back to, so to keep you on your toes and make sure that you walk the talk. That said, some of the challenges that we have faced or that we have noticed as we are promoting this different way of doing business. The first is the fact that shareholder primacy, in other words, capitalism, is rooted in our culture of doing business. You go to business school and you're taught, well, at least the age where I went, I think now there are other, <laughs> there are other um um, narratives about different different ways of doing business but you know we are taught to calculate how much profit you can make um, what is the price that gives you the best value um, the best profit for for the shareholder and in this case um, if you are a publicly traded company your shareholders is anyone who has a share in your company but if it's a family own business, your shareholders are the people in the family who have a share in the business. So um, what we have found, especially for older generations, is having this conversation about um, moving from a, a, a shareholder profit focus to thinking about all stakeholders is a different, it's a difficult shift to make the value that we are pitching and the impact that we are pitching is in the future. And unlike money, where you can quantify saying that um, if we operate this way, the same way that we did last year, we are likely to double our profits. When you come and you say, okay, if you consider all stakeholders, we are unable to say how it would adversely or positively affect the bottom line. So that cultural shift is very difficult to change and we're still finding different ways to work with this narrative. The next thing uh, that we found as a challenge is the lack of business knowledge in operating purposeful businesses. So most business owners, they want to have an impact, but they don't know how to build a model that will have the desired impact as well as give them the profit that they are looking for. And this is something that at B-Lab, we try to help um, them do by disseminating this knowledge and connecting them with the right people to work with them through the, through the challenges. Another big one is the lack of policies. Because our economic system has been built on the concept of shareholder primacy, we find that our options are you either register your business as a limited company for profit or limited partnership for profit or a non-governmental or a company um, limited by guarantee that is a not-for-profit. But there is no uh, existing policy or legislative framework that gives you an alternative. Um, 
some some countries are discussing social enterprise law i know that in kenya there's the social enterprise bill that is also being discussed um, our neighbors in rwanda joined um, the few countries to pass what we call benefit corporation legislation and benefit corporation registration gives for-profit businesses that that option to register as a for-profit business who is placing the needs of all stakeholders in equal measure. So the lack of policies is one of the other challenges that we um, have seen. And so to conclude, uh, what is my call to action here is that this is a conference about family businesses, um, but we are all involved in different kinds of businesses, whether it's a family business or it's an individual business or it's a corporate. Um, we oftentimes say that you might not be an entrepreneur, but you can be an intrapreneur where you drive change from within your organization. So the call to action is, can you decide today to be an impact-driven business? Um, Take the B impact assessment test, figure out how your current company is doing in terms of uh, being impactful and make a decision on where you want to go um, going forward, whether this is the type of business you want to be in or whether uh, an impact driven business model is right for your organization. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Wing, for such an insightful presentation and also getting us, uh, helping us understand what is B Labs and um, what um, uh, these type of businesses that you are helping. And um, it really does impact into the conversation that we're having about family businesses, because I'm sure a lot of family businesses fall under that demographic, especially as they're starting up and they're building up. And also um, adding on to the conversation we had yesterday where we had a lot of sharings from um, the experience that German family businesses have had and how the medium-sized businesses are the ones that are really impacting the economy and driving it forward. I think the conversation uh, around B-Labs is going to be something that is critical as we look at building family businesses on the continent, especially as, as they're going through uh, from small business, small-sized businesses to medium-sized businesses. So we do have a few questions and we'd just like to also ask everybody who's joined us today to um, type in their questions right away they, on the right-hand side of your screen where you see the comments. Please feel free to type in your questions um, if you have any questions for Kungling so that she can be able to answer them during this session. And to kick off our question and answer segment, um, I'd like to ask... For existing family businesses, is it possible to modify their business models to have impact or do you advise that they start new businesses? That's a good question. Yes, you definitely can modify your, your existing business model. The great thing about the B Impact Assessment tool is that as you're answering the questions, we are able to see what would be a good model to incorporate right, to, to what kind of uh, impact you can have so we can give you ideas so that you can re refine your model, right, to suit your vision as well as have an ongoing impact. That way you're not diverting from what you're already doing. 
Um, another question is, do you think benchmarking and mentorship is a concept that can work for B-Labs family businesses? Definitely. A lot of times you find that when you're, you're spearheading a vision, you might think that you're the only one, right? Or you might not have access to somebody who is already doing what you're doing. The benefit of being part of of the the B movement or the B community as a certified B Corp is that you have access to all to other certified B Corps around the world. And there are over 3,000 of these businesses ranging from small businesses all the way to multinationals like Dan, Dan, like Ben and Jerry's um, or Unilever who are on the track to do that. So um, <clears throat> you get your questions answered, you can reach out to someone who you can develop a long-term mentorship relationship with. Um, and we are always happy to help with that. And just continuing on from that question, just um, for probably more clarity and understanding, when we're looking at benchmarking as well as mentorship relationships and being able to reach out to other companies, what are some of the things that family businesses or B-Labs need to really look into as they build the, the the mentorship relationship in terms of setting about parameters as well as knowing that the other people that they're reaching out to have built businesses and are making time to spend time with them as well as to give them advice and at the same time not in aligning themselves too much in starting to follow somebody else's vision for what their mm-hmm. company should be mm-hmm. as opposed to following through with what they really want to, what they really envisioned in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So our community is definitely driven by the businesses themselves, right? So so what we do as B-Labs is we are the connector. So once you go through, we get to know you as an organization when you're going through our assessment and when you're going through verification. So once you have certified and you have access to the community at large, then those relationships we manage if you bring us in. So if someone reaches out to me saying, "Um, I'm in the coffee business, I'm looking for a coffee market in South America, would you connect me? So what we would do is we would connect you. Right. And we have a shared, should I say, behavior code of respecting each other. But it's definitely a helpful community. So those guidelines, the B Corps already know to establish the, the, the parameters of the relationships by themselves. That's not something that B-Lab would regulate because we would expect that it would be a, a professional, professionally guided relationship. Yeah. We have a question from Samira. Um, where can we have access to the B assessment tool? I can post a link for you. I suppose if I put it in the in the chat room, that would work. I just posted it. I hope everybody can see. Yes. Um, the next question um, is: Are there particular industry business owners should be thinking about when they're seeking to make an impact? No, you can have an impact in any industry that you are in. So impact is not is not uh, is not reserved for certain types of organizations. We have found that whatever industry you're in, whether you're in manufacturing, whether you're in agriculture, whether you're a service provider, you can definitely set up in such a way that you're having an impact. And really, 
if impact is the is um is the is embedded in all your activities i always say don't think about impact as oh i planted a whole forest or oh i paid all these people's medical bills it's it's the little things that you you do daily right um how do you treat your your workers um do you give them paid time off or not paid time off do you overwork them or do you respect um their working hours etc right so in whatever kind of business that you're in you can definitely have an impact about <laughs> me um as a follow up can you please give us examples of impactful b corp businesses in your community oh yeah um whew. i think i actually think that it would be be more helpful if you go on our website and follow their stories but as I'll, i'll name uh, a few so there's ndiro coffee in uh, in uganda there's there's soko in um in kenya there's nvu which has a branch in in kenya as well as in uh in the netherlands and i should probably tell you what these businesses do <laughs> you know that <laughs> about them um there's IQ business in South Africa which is a consulting business we have we have over 53 bcops already across Africa um they are listed on our website you can follow them you can read their stories thank you and looking at um, the fact that we focus on family businesses and um we're saying we're in the same demographic just wanting to know what are the conversations that are happening around dealing with the challenges that face b corps as family businesses because we obviously have a lot of spaces that are already teaching fab- these businesses how to maximize their impact and how to maximize systems and procedures but then have you got anything in place that really helps them think about the fact that they are family owned and being family owned comes with its own challenges that are personal relationships within the family as well as intricacies of family governance succession and thinking as a way forward because as we start a business the intention is to service a community and create the impact that you're talking about but what is the conversation that is helping them think beyond what they're doing now and in a, in a future where there's going to be continuity for their business because obviously the community they serve will have more impact if the business continues to grow continues to provide services and products and so on so um that's that's a great question um one of the things that i i'd like to be clear about from the beginning is that family businesses are definitely the minority of of the b corps that we have certified um the common theme um in our b corps as well as the family businesses that is the issue of governance that you have mentioned um a lot of times there's there's the there's the the issue of not knowing how to set guidelines what's the difference between is this personal or is this professional when you're dealing with a family business and for which is why one of the things that our b impact assessment tool has is is the aspect of governance to make sure that you have clear policies that are written out that you you absolutely have a board of directors that is non-conflicting 
um, and definitely best practice is to have an odd number on your board so that decision making um, when it comes to voting is more tenable than and you have less issues of having ties um, also is the continuity and succession planning which is which is one of the things that this year we are trying to introduce a business lab where these businesses in addition to going using the assessment tool to help them um, measure and manage their impact they'll have access to consultants who will help them with those specific issues like risk assessment because even um, when you're talking about governance to ensure continuity of the business we also have to look at risk so what happens when the patriarch or the matriarch is not there what how what's the magnitude of the risk that we are facing oftentimes when they when when the business owners see the magnitude of that risk and the potential losses coming with not dealing with uh, setting those policies upfront they are more likely to take a step to to manage that risk at that time uh, one of the things that's plaguing us is thinking that um, death will happen in the future it's not for now i don't need to plan for it now and when you don't plan for it from the beginning there's miscommunication um, and then there's infighting and then the business collapses so so those are things that we we definitely try to encourage is the, the businesses to handle from the get-go and for a lot of the second generation um, you mentioned you commented on um, there's an opportunity for entrepreneurship um, not just mm -hmm. entrepreneurships and a lot of second gens, third gens, next gens that desire to be entrepreneurs and drive change in their existing family businesses. What mm -hmm. advice do you have for them? What simple steps can they take? Okay, the first thing that I find that is e easy is to start a cause and start small. Firstly, you have to know what your management values and what they don't. So if, if the the management, the current management in the business is not really big on environmental sustainability. You already know that that's not an angle you want to enter with. You need to figure out what it is that they are passionate about, even if it's one-time CSR projects, and start from there so that you can, you can be invited to the table to contribute. So once you start showing that you're passionate about a certain thing, then they are more likely to listen to you when you propose something else that is more sustainable. Um, so, so I would encourage um, entrepreneurs, those who are working in a business who, don't, who do not necessarily drive the business, is participate. Um, look for a cause that you can present and start from there. And then from that point on, others will be encouraged to do the same. Um, also from that point on, you will begin to find other people in the organization who are like-minded and your group grows. And then as your group grows, you can begin to drive more change in the organization. So um, when I asked my previous question, you mentioned that um, a very few members of uh, B Labs or B Corps are family-owned businesses. So I just wanted a bit of clarification because 
when we look at um, what we define as family businesses in the family business industry is working at any organization that is owned um, by one or two family members or has 25% controlling ownership from a single family. So that could be an individual from one family or um, an, a number of individuals from the same family or two families joined together, but then the ownership has to be 25% and above controlling share of the business. So I just wanted to find out from you in terms of um, the B Corps that you said that are not family owned, the majority that are not family owned or family controlled. Um, who controls them? Who um, has ownership of these B Corps? And because um, from my understanding, you were saying that uh, these are um, entrepreneurs that are starting their businesses and um, building up their businesses. And I would assume that would be family owned because, for example, I own a school and uh, I've been building it for four years. Um, I've also got a publishing firm. I've been building it for 12 years. The majority ownership is still very much in my family. Transition will happen within my family. If um, then we have complex ownership structures where we get loans or private equity or venture capitalism, then there'll be diversification in terms of ownership. But um, mm -hmm. I would like to believe that 25% and above for quite a number of time will be within my family. And um, also globally, at least over 60% of uh, organizations, even the big organizations we see across the world, are family-owned businesses. They might have uh, complex structuring, but they are family-owned businesses. So if you can just clarify that for our audience so that they get a better understanding and also clarify it, would it would help us to also understand in terms of uh, when it comes to B Corps, who actually owns them, what is their controlling, mm -hmm. and uh, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. It's very good that you're clarifying <laughs> that uh, and, and that, and that uh, uh, definition. Um, so when I said less than 25%, in my, in my vision, okay, by, in my definition, I was thinking about businesses that are owned and run by more than one family member, right? So, so yes, we do have um, many that are run by one person, but oftentimes they are the 100% owner. Uh, usually also... Sorry, just also to clarify, it could be multiple family members within the family business, but in terms of ownership, it um, twenty five percent has to belong to one family for mm. it to be classified as a family business. Okay, so so then in that case, you're considering that if I own my own business, it's a family business, regardless of whether I work with any other family member. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe I would I would then rephrase or, or or come back and say that okay probably in that case majority are family businesses then because we have a lot of single entrepreneurs we also have a lot of companies that are owned by co-founders right um but just the co-founders themselves no one else in their families in the in that business besides the two of them that um, would so, still so that, would that still, still be also be family, family businesses business. even if it's so two then, different families yeah, so then that means that all of our all of our B Corps are family businesses then. <laughs> most most businesses yeah. are family businesses and I yes. think importantly yes. because have conversation. Yeah. So I was, yeah. Mm. Definitely. Thank you for that clarification. No problem. The reason why I say that is because um I think one of the biggest conversations we've had, um, especially on the continent, is that 
um, classifications of most family business has been they are sorry okay <laughs> they are either smes mmes and entrepreneurs which is very correct because they fall under those categories but at the same time um they also fall under the category of family owned business and this is um the biggest issue when it comes to then creating succession for those businesses mm-hmm. because like you said if it's a partnership it could be two different families it could be you and i could come together and say uh, as friends we are in the same industry or we complement each other let's start a business we could be siblings um there's many varieties but then the ownership then falls under certain families and as the business grows when that succession planning is not put in place and that conversation around uh, governance and and also another issue that always comes up is the issue of corporate governance and family governance people always interchange and 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 think mm-hmm. it's the same corporate governance um is the buzzword that everybody knows mm-hmm. family governance however is when you structure your family um to know how they will communicate with each other with regards to the wealth vehicle which is the family business and the assets um attached to it and the wealth attached to the family mm-hmm. business itself I'm sorry, may I just Sorry, I'm just trying to get a charger. <laughs> may I just add something that quite typically in African families we've been practicing governance um but not necessarily in the context of business and wealth. We usually have some elders in the family. Um mm-hmm. we usually have some um family meeting, family gatherings. Yes. Um decision making on family matters. Um there's usually some there's usually some forum for conflict resolution you don't know who to escalate to within the yeah. extended family um which party should be involved in s- such conversations um we we know who to nominate and appoint to represent the family in certain instances so mm-hmm. i think we as people we are very well versed with governance we just yeah. haven't recognized that this is what it is And so if we think about that it's just to layer that in the family business and wealth context now so who are the representatives of a family that will meet periodically to take decisions with respect to family matters that will mm-hmm. impact on the business who are those council of elders so to speak what do we do when we have conflict and how do we resolve those right mm-hmm. um and so on and so forth so it's just to to spark conversation within the family business industry to see that we've been doing governance it's just now we need to extend the parameters of our governance to the business and our wealth yeah and we need to record it documents we have to document it so that it transcends generations indeed yeah. and we've had a culture um a tradition of oral you know documentation and passing on of information which in some instances is fine but it does li- give room for a lot of misinterpretation conflict especially when we think about where we are at as our world we're so highly dispersed um it's likely that family members are perhaps in three four continents um so this whole concept of oral passing of information is is we're not in that age where we're all in one community we meet every week or every month and we we talk about something and everybody remembers that it's years ago grandma said mm-hmm. yeah that's we're not in that age anymore 
Yeah. So you have to adapt to times and document, like you said. Thank you so, so much uh, for joining us today. I would just like to give you um, a, the opportunity to have your final words um, to share with our audience. Any final thoughts you have on this topic and also with what you've shared with us today? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I would like to thank you again for this opportunity to share about the work that we are doing. Um, I think that this is a very important conversation to have um, because we have seen uh, with with despair a lot of times family uh, businesses getting dismantled after the patriarch is no more with with us. And so we, we like to have this conversation just to make sure that the companies that we interact with, um, the family businesses, actually have measures in place to ensure that they are achieving their vision, um, that they are ensuring that the businesses that they are working hard in transcend their generation and continue to have an impact. Um, And also to encourage them to participate in mentoring um, other businesses and holding hands as is the case in our culture that we always do. Um, to ensure that we build a better continent for our children. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And if our audience wants to get hold of you after this session or going into the future, how do they get hold of you or B-Labs or the organization that you represent? Um, I had shared our website, uh, www.b-labafrica.net. Our contact information is there. You can also find me. LinkedIn, Facebook, my name is Ngiti Mani, you'll find me. <laughs> Send me a message. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You've heard it for yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we look forward to continuing communicating and uh, collaborating with yourself and B-Labs. And we invite everyone to join us for the next session, which is going to be at the top of the hour. And um, we just thank you once again. Thank you so much, Kiki.